Welcome back to World Changers. I'm Steven. I'm Brett. And today we're going to be talking about one of the greatest scientists to ever walk the earth. Yep, that's right. His name was Isaac Newton. Uh, Brett? Sir. Oh, gosh. Isaac Newton. My bad, my bad. Um, <coughs> yeah, this man uh, lived uh, about you know, 60 years, and in those 60 years, uh, he left an impact on the science community that was untouched until Einstein, honestly. Uh, he he uh, was revered uh, to the point where that when Einstein published the things that he published, uh, it was almost like blasphemy. Einstein got a lot of pu- got a lot of pushback. So this he was he was, he was refuting a few of uh, Newton's, Newton's ideas. Yep. one of the greatest minds ever. So let's start first with summary of his life. Summary of his life. He was born on Christmas Day, sixteen forty-two. December 25th, in a little hamlet in Lincolnshire, England. What's uh, a hamlet? So I was just, I'm glad oh, you asked. Okay. That's great. <laughs> a hamlet is like a tiny settlement, smaller than a village, so just like middle of nowhere, a couple houses. It sounds like a hamlet field. should be like some variation of an omelet. An omelet with ham in it. Wow. How did I not put that together? There you go. <laughs> so 1642, he was born. Um, his father died about three months before he was born. Yeah, pretty sad. Yeah, pretty sad. Um, his name was also Isaac Newton, by and, the way. And, fun fact, Yes. Galileo died that year as well. He died that year? I think he died the same year, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Right, right here. Yeah. <clears throat> same year Galileo died in Newton Florence. was born, so passing the torch, yeah. sort of. Or reincarnation? <laughs> Maybe. Another possibility. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, so, uh, let's see. Right, his father died three months before he was born. Um, his mother remarried when Isaac was three years old and left him in the care of his grandmother and to go live with her new husband. Interesting. Yeah. Who else was in the care of their grandmother so far in the show? Leonardo. Leonardo. Interesting. Da Vinci. If you get raised by your grandma, you will be a genius. <laughs> That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> yep. And uh, how did he like his stepdad? Uh, he wasn't too happy with it. No, pretty much hated it. No, yeah, he wasn't too happy about his mom marrying him. Um, it, it beca- the relationship became so bad at, at one point that Isaac uh, threatened to burn their house down. Yeah. Pretty, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> pretty funny. We'll talk about this later in the fun yeah. stories, but he actually wrote down in his journal a list of sins. <clears throat> a list of what? Sins. Like, to oh. seek uh, forgiveness, repentance. Yeah. Oh, and right. I guess you had to write them down, and we have them. They're so funny. <laughs> and that's one of them, that he threatened to burn the house down, and that he was asking for forgiveness. So we'll, we'll cover that in the fun story section. Okay. But um, So do you have anything? So he starts uh, school at the, the King's School in Grantham at yeah. age 12. Do you have anything else to put no, in no, yeah, childhood? Nothing too significant so far, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Besides that he hated his stepdad. Say so he hated his stepdad. His father died before he was born. Uh, but he, he isn't showing any uh, um, any any drastic signs of uh, Yeah, he's living genius. out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows who he is. He's just he's, a kid. He's a kid. He's going to school. Living on a farm. Yeah. Going to school. So he goes to the king's school at age 12. Um, he would have learned Latin, Greek, and math there. And uh, he was there from the ages of 12 to 17. 
Um, so then in, in, in the year 1659, he moves back home with his mother, whose second husband had now died. So good news for Isaac. Pretty sad. Yeah, well, I mean, but also Isaac good. didn't like him. So. Yeah, good and bad. <laughs> but, yeah, bummer for for. And at this time right now, obviously <clears throat> Isaac Newton is attached to the scientific revolution. Yeah. And so uh, he's in England, you know, in the, in the countryside with his mom. But the, the, what's <clears throat> happening around the world, or actually, you know, around his country yeah. and, and Europe, is people are inventing things everywhere. So uh, the same contemporaries or, or people that were almost uh, living at the exact same time as, as uh, Isaac Newton were Copernicus. Yeah. Francis Bacon, Johannes Kepler, like I said, Galileo had died the same year he had died, yeah. Robert Hooke. So th- that's just kind of painting the picture of what his early life is like. He mm-hmm. is in the shadow of giants. Uh, We're going to stand on their shoulders. That's what he's going to huh? do later. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, so yeah, he's there from six, until 1659. He goes home, um, but he didn't want to be a farmer. He hated being at home and having to farm. Yep. And who else hated that? Abe Lincoln. <laughs> We should, so, we should find someone raised by your grandmother. liked being a farmer. Maybe. I hate farming. Yeah, so the was ki- Lincoln raised by your grandmother? I don't think no. so. But he hated his dad. Okay, so family you, troubles. Yeah. There we go. There's another common one. Do you hate your family? That's good news. <laughs> Chances are you could be a genius. Keep going, Brad. All right, so he moves back home. He doesn't like farming. The uh, the master of the king's school actually persuades his mother to send him back to school. To well, because he was gonna he was going to not go to school and be a farmer. Right. That right. was the goal. Yeah. So and, that, uh, that didn't work out. And so uh, he's showing a, a, some potential at this point, right? Because the, the head of the school right. is making an effort to make him, man, imagine that. Imagine that. <sighs> if Newman became a farmer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, it's kind of like Da Vinci could have become a notary. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Could have been. Yo, it could have been. Um, so he goes back to school, and uh, let's see. He actually ends up becoming the top-ranked school student at that school. So no doubt, he starts to distinguish himself, like okay. you're saying. Yes, yeah. they, they start to realize he's pretty smart. Um, and then 1661, um, he uh, starts studying at Trinity College in Cambridge. Pretty good school. Great school. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's getting some momentum. He's looking like he's going to be <clears throat> someone. Goes yeah. to Cambridge. Goes to Cambridge. Um, fun fact, he, he had to actually uh, kind of work his way through school at first by being a valet. Interesting. Parking carriages. Weird. Horses, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but eventually he received a scholarship, which makes sense. You'd expect that. Yeah. In 1664. And uh, so that scholarship was supposed to put him through for another four years. Um, to also not only earn his bachelor's, but also his master's. Okay. So he earns his master's in 1665, right? Uh-huh. So four years after he had started there. <clears throat> and then uh, 1665, what happens then? That's, that's Oh, no big deal. Just uh, the plague. Just the bubonic plague. Yeah, just, you know, it's, it's like a rainy day. <laughs> Shouldn't I go to school? Oh, it's plague. Uh, let's go home. Probably stay home. Don't want to get anybody sick. Yeah. Know? So, nonchalant, he just heads home because uh, everyone in Europe are d- is dying. Yeah. And Goes uh, on vacation at home. Just, what would you do? Uh, you know, I'd play some video games. I would, uh, you know, go swimming. Yeah. Uh, what does he do? He reads some books, studies some calculus, or creates calculus. So, yeah. Invents. During- 
calculus. <laughs> yeah. So he he goes home in 1665, ends up like being there for about two years um, during this kind of plague scare, and develops calculus. Yep. Develops um, the binomial theorem. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Give me a five minute description of. Just let me. uh, No, please don't. (laughs) I actually do have a little, just a little blurb about it somewhere here. Oh, don't do it, Brett. Okay. Don't you dare talk about that. Okay. (laughs) We'll skip that. Binomial theorem. So, look it up. Yep. Google it. Google that. <laughs> and then uh, develops the theory of gravity. Yep. Just dropped my phone. Yep. Gravity's real. <laughs> and then, oh, and this would have been the time, according to legend, that he was, you know, sitting out in the yard With the under apple. a tree. Apple falls from the tree. All of a sudden, he knows gravity. Yeah. So, did this really happen? <laughs> Probably not. But was he, I mean... The, the you chance gotta, you gotta believe the chance the chance that he was inspired by seeing an apple fall, um, it's it's possible. Yeah, and I think likely. Sense. I think likely there there are a lot of scholars, uh, contemporaries at the time who've written about it. Him mentioning seeing an apple, but was he sitting there? An apple falls, hits his head. No, like they have a tree in England. They say it's the tree that he sat under. It's like come on, guys. No, it's not what happened. Can be true, Steve. So at this point, he's twenty two. He's twenty two. On yeah. on a on a wait, it, yeah 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 he's twenty two and he's on a, a a prolonged summer vacation mm-hmm. due to the plague, and he invents binomial <laughs> theorem uh, calculus, understands that the gravitation uh, gravity and that that's what's um, keeping the moon in its orbit yeah and uh, he proves that color or white light is a combination of all colors combined yeah like that prism yeah, by putting it through a prism uh, which who, broke who's up that the light. band. Oh, is it Imagine Dragons? That no, 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 it's there? an old band, Pink Floyd or something. Anyways, yeah, their whole symbol is like, this goes, you know, one light goes through and a rainbow comes out. Yeah. Uh, so, revolutionary ideas. He's you a know 20... which band we're talking about. Emails. Oh, put it in the comments. Put it yeah. in the comments. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, he's 22, and he is surpassing the greatest minds of his time. <clears throat> the legend yeah. goes, actually, when he heads, heads back to Cambridge and he shows his professor this uh, calculus... Which, from what I understand, I've never taken calculus. It's like a, a new way to do math, like an easier way to do it, you know? Yeah, and to, like, uh, calculate the rate at which objects are moving. And uh, his professor was like, <clears throat> is it true? Is it not true? Don't know. It's kind of like that story about Da Vinci when he painted that angel. Similar. Wow. What's his face? Just decided to stop painting. Yeah, like, really similar. Thing. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so he, yeah, he goes back to uh, Cambridge So in productive vacation, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. His mom's yeah. mad at him. Why aren't you out here plowing the field? And he's like, uh, Mom. Just uh, contemplating the mysteries of the universe. Changing the world, Mom. Yeah. That's what I tell my mom every time I'm playing video games. She walks in. Changing the world. Okay, <laughs> so go back. He goes back to Cambridge, 67. Okay. Yep. And he gets elected a fellow. A fellow. And a few years after that, he gets elected... To be a Lucasian, am I saying that right? Yeah. The Lucasian so. Professor of Mathematics, which apparently is a very esteemed. Yeah, one of the most uh, high-profile academic positions in the world. Okay. So, so he is. Uh, so pretty good. Doing pretty good for himself at this point. He's um, 20, 24, right, 25, 26, somewhere around there. Yeah, something like that. So he spends the next uh, um, while. At, at Cambridge as a professor, right? Lecturing, doing yep. research, writing. And in the meantime, he actually gets elected to uh, the Royal Society. Yep. 
So, uh, and the, just a little explanation: the Royal Society was like a, a learned society, just basically a bunch of smart people got together and said, so like "Let's a build club. a club." Yeah, yeah, maybe like the NBA or something. The oldest national scientific institution in the world is the Royal Society. So, mm, wow, kind of cool. Yeah, um, and uh, so he's there. He's teaching. In '87, he he publishes his uh, most important work ever, and probably um, from what I've gathered. Uh, I think it's a pretty clear consensus, the greatest document, the greatest uh, publication on physics ever. Yeah. Which is... Principia. or Principia. I, I like Principia. Principia. Let's do Principia, Principia Mathematica. Yeah. And 1687. That's where the three laws come from. The, you know, you guys know Newton's laws. Right. Object at rest will stay... At rest. At rest unless moved upon... Um, by another object. Acceleration is produced when a force acts on a mass, the greater the mass, the greater the force needed. And then number three is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, so this was pretty, I mean, obviously, uh, pretty amazing. And, and it's we pretty still simple. talk about these today. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. Still, I mean, I, I took two physics classes in college, and obviously, this is like basic stuff, right? Yeah. You have to understand these things. The fact that he could explain these mysteries of the universe in these three laws, and not right. everything, obviously, but it's so simple. Uh, apparently, he didn't do a very good job explaining it in the book. It was a little bit complicated and wordy, mm-hmm. but uh, revolutionary. Change instant, instantly. This guy already, who's on the Royal Society, who's this prestigious professor, he becomes like world famous. Yeah, everyone's uh, admiring him. Yeah, so that was in 1687 when he published that. So he would have been about uh, 35. And no, 45. Was it 1642 when he was born? Uh, 1642, yeah. 45. And so he, another fun fact, as he as he published things, he didn't like to publish things. Um, we can talk about this a little bit more in the fun story section. Mm-hmm. But um, when he'd get criticized, uh, he actually would, um, he, he actually had two mental breakdowns in his lifetime. Yeah. Where he uh, like kind of uh, fell back and just left the public eye and he couldn't do anything. Couldn't handle it. Yeah, so he, he had some... Mental issues, probably. Um, well, he, he was just kind of, maybe we'll talk about this more later, but he was just kind of a loner. Like, yeah. He just kind of did his own He was thing. weird. He spent a lot of time on his own studying things and doing yeah. experiments. Yeah. So he wasn't like super socially adept. The, the things of this world just couldn't satisfy him. And I think <clears throat> it's different. You know, people call him weird. So he's having these mental, he's having occasional mental breakdowns, uh, but he's famous. He gets elected to parliament. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 1689, I think, right? Yeah. A couple years after Principia. And then right before the um, 17, right before 1700, he actually moves to London to go work on the Mint. Yeah. Warden of the Mint. Mint is, they're like producing the coinage. So taking care of the country's money, basically. Yeah, so kind of weird. Punishing counterfeiters. Counterfeiters. He took it really seriously. Yeah. Did a good job. Punished a lot of people. And he actually became master of the Mint a yep. few years later. Um, and then he was elected president of the Royal Society. Yep. So think about if the NBA, elect, I guess they do, MVP. But imagine if the players said, who's the greatest of all of us? Um, or it might be like the president of the Players Association. That's pretty good. Yeah. Like who's most respected. Yeah. So this was kind of like, uh, he's the greatest scientist. He's president like of the Royal NBA Society. We like analogies, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, we're, we like NBA. <laughs> um, he publishes a book on optics. So that's, you know, he, he really liked... The t- he uh, the telescope, um, yeah. We'll talk about that. That was one of his great accomplishments. Greatest accomplishments he, he invented yeah. a telescope, a, a 
model of telescope that we still use today. Yeah. So I mean, the telescope's like the eye, right? So all those things, the optics, the eye, how the light reflects off of it. He loved that. The gravity, the mathematics, the calculus. So um, if you take a basic physics class today, you actually go over a lot of different things. And he pretty much hit every single one of those categories and just pushed them so far ahead. Yeah. In 1705, he, he gets... He was knighted by Queen Anne um, during a royal visit to Trinity College. Pretty cool. So, yeah. Pretty so cool. So that's why he's Sir Isaac Newton. Yep. And then 1727, about 20 years later, he dies. He's buried in Westminster Abbey. Yep. Cool. He uh, died in his sleep. It's a good way to die. All right. Now let's go to the next section of the podcast, <clears throat> which is his greatest achievements. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start off? Sure. Yeah. So we, we, we hit on most of these, but um, that period when he went home from school during the plague, that was a really important one where he starts to, where, where he developed like three of his most famous theories or, yeah. or you know he invented calculus he um developed his theory on gravity and kind of explaining how the planets move in their orbits and everything yeah um and then uh furthered his work on optics as well sure you know, discovering sure. The, that white light was um created by or made up of all the different colors sure so that was huge that's that's something that we still that you know you still learn in college today things about those like certain principles about calculus about gravity um about light so and all of those then uh were sort of also uh together in his um work called principia so that was another one of his his greatest accomplishments was was that work that is you know one of the greatest if not the greatest work on, on physics ever yeah yeah i have a little quote here um I mean, he eradicated any doubts about the heliocentric model of the universe because that was still something people were uh, kind of confused about. That's like the Earth in the middle of the universe. Okay, so the Earth, so this, people thought around. that the sun revolved around the Earth. I mean, then. I think people kind of knew, but he just <clears throat> got rid of all doubts. Like, no one even okay. questioned after him. And he dealt with, I love this phrase, celestial mechanics. Yeah. Just how planets moved their orbits. And it just sounds like if they're, what is a bigger, literally, what is bigger uh, than that? What, what What's a better purpose, you know? I mean, maybe there's better purposes, but just like dealing with the planets and how they move and why they do the things they do, it's like kind of sounds romantic. Yeah. And he also gave birth to what is known as the scientific method. Mm. So the way he approached things and the way he questioned things and the order of it um, is what we call the scientific method today. But, Okay. Now let's go into the next section. Fun quotes. Right, we'll do a quote each until we run out until one person runs out of quotes. Okay. So I can't have that many actually, so it might end quick. But you go first. Alright. If I have seen further than others, it is by standing upon the shoulders of giants. That's mine. Yeah, well, you, you let me go first. That's Sorry, a good one. Okay. Um, so also that's a shout out to uh, Jurassic Park. They quote that in there. Oh, nice. Jurassic Park. Oh, thank you, one of our sponsors, Jurassic Park, for uh, <laughs> sponsoring our program. Okay. Uh, next one. I do not know what I may appear to the world, but to myself, I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself and now and then finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than ordinary 
whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. Mm. Wow. That's cool. So, he, he a man who is a, the, one of the greatest geniuses of all time, yeah. says that he was like a little boy playing on the shore and he knew nothing about anything else. Yeah, that's interesting. Really cool, huh? So it's kind of uh, the idea that like real wisdom is knowing that you don't really know anything. Yeah, Socrates. Yeah. We'll do him soon. Yeah. Okay, you go. Um, this is a short one. Genius is patience. That's it. All right. Interesting. I wish. So, is that all it is? I guess so. Okay. Yeah, that's so not too bad. Think, uh, you don't have to worry about your family or your dad dying or living <laughs> with your grandma. Just be patient. Just be patient. You know, so he, uh, I think that, that probably explains some of the way he went about things. Like he, when he wanted to figure something out, he patiently and methodically went and studied it, you know, and you don't just give up after a little bit if things don't work out, but yeah. continue to study things. Okay. I can calculate the motion of heavenly bodies but not the madness of people. Okay, you. Uh, did we did we say this one? Plato is my friend. Oh, we haven't done that. You want to do it? Aristotle is my friend, but my greatest friend is truth. So dope. That's my favorite one, I think. It's a good one. I think it's my favorite thing about everything we've studied is that. <laughs> um, nature is pleased with simplicity, and nature is no dummy. Nice. Kind of cool. I got one that goes along with that. Truth is ever to be found in simplicity and not in the multiplicity and confusion of things. Okay. Gravity explains the motion of the planets, but it cannot explain who set the planets in motion. Ooh. He was really religious. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. A yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. I'm out. Um, I'm to explain all nature, this is a uh, second to last one, is too difficult a task for any one man or even for any one age. So it seems like what he got, what he felt like was um, he came down to earth and was given a book with all the secrets of the, the, the universe in it, but he only had five minutes to read it. Mm. That's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. Like, I think if he lived long enough, he could have discovered a lot more. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah, there's not enough room. I mean, he comes home on summer vacation and studies, so if he had any more time, he would have been just reading stuff. Yeah, they should have more plagues. All right. <laughs> Um, and then the no, last... No, oh. of course not. No. Yeah. No plagues. We are anti-plague. <laughs> Just want to be clear. Um, and, uh... <laughs> What's your last one? Yeah, actually, I'm trying to find it. It's, it's... Uh, did you read about what was in, in, uh, engraved on his, uh, tomb? Uh-uh. Oh, man, yeah. It's, uh... <coughs> um... Uh, it's, uh, who was the, um... Who was the, the pope at the time? Anyways, why don't we keep going, and uh, I'll, I'll put it in with our next section, which cool stories. is cool stories. <laughs> okay, uh, you go first. Okay, yeah, we kind of mentioned this one before, but um, so he really hated his stepfather, right? So, and uh, there, his really, he was mad at his mom for it, and he was living away from from those two, living with the grandmother, right? And he was so angry at them at one point that he threatened to burn their house down. Okay, so with that, I told we mentioned about the sins. Here are some yeah. of his sins. I'll just read a couple. Let's do it. Eating an apple at thy house. So talking to God. Making a feather yeah. while on thy day. Denying that I made it. <laughs> Squirting water on thy day. 
making pies on Sunday night. So a lot of Sabbath breaking. Yeah. Um, refusing to go to the close at my mother's command. Threatening my father and mother to burn them and the house over them. That's the one you talked about. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, it's just so funny here. Setting my heart on money, learning pleasure more than thee. And then the next one, a relapse. The next one, a relapse. Of <laughs> <laughs> setting his heart on money, I guess. Punching my sister. It's just, guys, you got to check these out. There's 48 of them. Um, <coughs> did, did you see, when did he write that down? Do you know? I, I'm not sure. I think when he was a kid, obviously. Uh, okay, like but, a teenager or something? Yeah, here's a good one. Twisting a cord on Sunday morning. What does that mean? No idea. Twisting a cord. Anyways. <laughs> okay, so I got one here by Alexander Pope. So Newman dies. He gets buried in Westminster Abbey. Alexander Pope, uh, he's a poet. Yep. He, uh, he, he writes uh, a little poem. On his, uh, on his tomb, and it says, "Yep, I actually didn't get this." Yep, go ahead. Nature and nature's laws lay hid in night. God said, "Let Newton be," and all was light. That's cool. Pretty dope. <laughs> so cool. Okay, you yeah, got fun story. Something like that on my headstone. That'd be good. Okay, you go. Um, so Newton got super into alchemy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Alchemy. Um, Basic definition is you try to turn other metals into gold. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's honestly kind of like chemistry. But they didn't have chemistry at the time. So you're dealing with a lot of different right. chemicals. You're mixing stuff together. Mixing stuff. Back then, it was almost stuff. like illegal. Like, it was really weird. Yeah. Well, the thing is that it was really looked down upon because a yeah. lot of people just, like, were they would trick total people. frauds. Yeah. They'd yeah. say, hey, I'll turn this into gold. Give me a hundred bucks. Or, you know, they'd mess with them. Yeah. So they'd make fake gold and then... But it shouldn't be looked at on too much because it was a, was a real part of it is a real science yeah. that that broke off and became chemistry. But there is a part that's kind of like witchcraft, sorcery, like putting, yeah, like making potions, making potions stuff. that make a girl love you or something. So one of the one of the main goals of alchemists at the time was to try to discover how to make the philosopher's stone. Yep. So that's the, that's it. So that's like that was like Harry a real Potter? thing that people is that tried. Harry Potter? Exactly. Yep. Shout out to Harry Potter, Shout second to Harry sponsor. Potter. Yep. Okay, go. <laughs> uh, and so, let's see. So the Philosopher's Stone could turn any metal, any metal into gold, and it could also create the elixir of life to make you live forever. Pretty good stone. To make you become immortal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that tells you something about Alexander, but he, or not Alexander, Isaac Newton. He, uh, but he just became really obsessed with things. He loved it. He got well, so obsessed with alchemy. Do you know how many books he wrote? How many? Guess. 28. Higher. 50. Higher. 103. Higher. 268. 169 bucks. Wow. Yeah. There's also a legend that um, he, uh, I think it was like 20 years of work, was burned when a dog in his apartment knocked over a candle and burnt all of his work on alchemy. That's why you don't use candles. Yeah. Crazy. Right? That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I would have cried. But uh, yeah, he also, in alchemy, <coughs> um, the, he, in his uh, writings, uh, he did a lot of stuff with the metals, and he would include an analysis of the taste. He's 108 documented different metals that he tasted. When he tasted mercury, he oh, said yeah. it was, quote, strong, sourish, and ungrateful. <laughs> ungrateful taste. Okay. okay. Well, um, funny you should say that he tasted some mercury because uh, I'm pretty sure he died of mercury poisoning. Yeah, that's what people think. <laughs> yeah. Also, when he became kind of weird and eccentric at the end of his life. Yeah, yep, think it so was... that could have been some symptoms of that. 
Yeah, so he, anyways, huge chunk of his life was uh, alchemy. Another huge chunk, which was actually probably bigger, was uh, religion. Obsessed with studying the Bible. He believed that if he studied uh, revelations enough, uh, he could unlock secrets, that secrets were put in there. Almost like science, like God, he saw that si- uh, God put hints in nature. Yeah. And then he discovered, he found the laws for them. Almost a similar attitude towards the Bible. Yeah. So, Revelations, he also was obsessed with Solomon's temple. I think it's like in Leviticus or somewhere where it goes over the exact dimensions. It's like the most boring chapters in the world. Yeah, it's terrible. Obsessed with it. Utterly obsessed with it. Yeah, he thought through that those numbers and that architecture was divine. And through it, he could predict, make predictions or, or uncover uh, truths and mysteries. And he and, actually uh, made some predictions, sort of. Yeah, I was going to say, he also made a prediction about when the second coming or the apocalypse or whatever you want to call it would happen, right? Yeah. 2060. That's the year people write it down. Yeah. Well, he said it won't happen before... He, see, he said, I see no I see no need for the apocalypse to happen before 2060. He said, I see no need. Yeah. He actually got really mad at people who made predictions. Because, once again, they usually do it for gain. And so he wasn't trying to make a prediction. He just said, looking at all the things that have to happen, it's not going to happen until at least 2060. Shout out to Brandon Sanderson. Stormlight Archive. Predicting the future is bad. Predict, don't predict the future. Let's do a quick uh, shout-out really quick to our sponsors, hopeful sponsors, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. They're delicious, happy. Okay, thank you, Coca-Cola. Um, the other thing he predicted, he predicted that Christ was crucified exactly on April 3rd, A.D. 33. So he was crucified or born? Yeah, I, I got it mixed up. Crucified. Okay. Interesting. April 3rd, A.D. 33. So pretty fun stuff. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, if you if you had a pie of what uh, of what Isaac Newton did with his life, the biggest chunk would be religion. I think the next one would probably be alchemy, mm-hmm. if not tied Even more than like mathematics. If not tied with, with mathematics, math. but religion undoubtedly was the biggest. Tiny little sliver, farming or pretending <laughs> to farm. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe uh, the mint coinage, planning arson, yeah. trying to burn burn people's houses down. Uh, what's another fun story you got? Um, ooh, let me see if I even have any more. I got a few more. I just got like three more. Dang, you got more than me. No worries. So go another ahead. one, you go, you go. Uh, he used himself to experiment a lot. Uh, he once put a needle straight through his eye all the way until the bone just to see, quote, what it would do. <laughs> I, unbelievable. It did nothing. What? Yeah, I mean, you have like a lens there, but your pupil is a hole that ex- that has light come in. Yeah, you know, and he he, and this is part of the reason why he was so religious. He says no one could have made the eye that didn't study optics, which is kind of cool to think about. Mm. But another weird experiment where he was the guinea pig was one day he just wanted to stare at the sun as long as he could to see what would happen. Gosh, and he stared at it for like a minute or something, and he nothing happened. But he actually had to be kept in a, a room of darkness for like two days. But then he came out and he was fine. <laughs> but he just wants to see... Uh, he try just, things out. Yeah, he was kind so, of a weird dude. Yeah, I don't know if those are the things I would try out. <laughs> the consequences... He's eating mercury. Like worth he's it. putting needles in his eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my last story, which is pretty cool, was... Um, so he publishes... Uh, throughout his life, he'd make publications. He published that one um, 
uh, I don't know if it was optics. I don't think it was. It publishes something, I think, just about lenses. And some of the other scientists, uh, Robert Hooke in particular. Get oh, your, yeah. Yeah. I was going to, this was another story I had. Gets mad at him. He ends up becoming, he kind of like, uh, you know, like I said, falls back, doesn't doesn't publish yeah, anything. Hook just like, he critics, criticizes it. You know, and what you do in the scientific some feedback, some community. saying like, I don't know about this. You know? Yeah. And so Newton couldn't handle it. Yeah. He couldn't handle any critiques or criticism, so he just leaves. And he was known for not publishing anything. This was a guy, and, and this is the best story to describe it. So one time, Hook Haley, Edward Haley, who was um, the Haley's Comet, yeah, yeah. which is sad because he did so much more than that. That's what he's known for. That's what I was known for. But he was contemporary with, um, with Newton, and another scientist are in a cafe, okay? And they're thinking about, they're trying to understand the pathway of celestial objects, of the, of the planets, uh, you know, how, what's the pattern of them, how they go around the sun, and they can't discover it, and they make a bet who can discover it first. Well, Haley has heard some stuff about this kind of weird, eccentric uh, genius over at Cambridge. He heads over there and says, hey, uh, you know, Newton, you know, question. Here, here's this question about these planets. You know, what are your thoughts on it? And he's like, oh, yeah, they're elliptical. Like, he just answers the question. And, yeah, he knew the answer. And he says, how do you know that? He's like, oh, I solved it like 10 years ago. <laughs> and he says, what? He's like, yeah, let me, I think I have like some papers. Yeah, he goes through, he's looking through his papers. Like, <laughs> people like, have compared it, it to someone saying, you, you cured cancer? Yeah, well, where is it? I don't know, I think I lost it. I haven't really cared. He's just, I mean, just picture almost like a Sherlock Holmes, you know? Just yeah, covered just... in papers with all these crazy inventions. And then years, after, like Leonardo, years after Leonardo, they're like, wow, look at all these things he wrote about. Right. Similar. He can't find it. He's like, I'll rewrite it for you. So he starts rewriting it. Haley starts seeing how amazing it is. He starts encouraging him to keep it going. And uh, it ends up becoming uh, Principia. How do you say it? Principia. Principia. Ends up becoming the greatest book of all time. And actually... the Physics book of all time. (laughs) Greatest book of all time. Brandon Sanderson, Stormlight. But uh, so crazy. Just unbelievable that he had this. And the Royal Society, that scientific club, they couldn't afford to fund him to pay it. And he refused to pay. He wasn't going to pay it himself. So Haley actually gave him the money. To develop that. Amazing, right? To publish it. Yeah, to publish it. What a cool guy. That's cool. But anyway, so that's all. Haley. Yeah, you got any um, more stories? I got one more. Okay. Yeah, just like about um, creating the telescope. So oh, so he ended dope. up, and this isn't like a crazy story, but just something that I thought we, we should explain a little bit. So there was a, somebody had created a, te- a different type of telescope using lenses, um, and Newton used it a little bit and realized that it wasn't quite, it didn't quite show the objects the way that, that it should. I don't know, not, yeah. not, not super clear. Okay. So he ended up developing his own telescope using mirrors instead of lenses and made it a much clearer image, more true to what um, the objects actually looked like. Awesome. And, uh, and those, that model of telescope is, is, is basically what we use today. What we use today. Sure. So, like the Hubble yeah. telescope is just like a giant version of so Newton's cool. one that so he created. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's go to our last section uh, their greatness. I'll go first, I guess. I've been making you go first every time. Okay. Uh, we're just gonna, I'm going to talk about uh, you know, why they're on our list of the greatest people of all time. Yeah. Uh, what set them apart? Uh, what characteristics made them different? And to whom were they similar? I think uh, his early childhood that was and had um, some tribulation in it with his father, with his parents. I think that was something um, that seems to be similar in a lot of uh, great people's lives so far. Is they yeah. have a hard, they they endure hardships early on, 
Um, I think the reason he was great was uh, almost like Alexander Pope. I think he was a gift from God. I think he was blessed with an amazing intelligence. And I think, obviously, I don't want to take anything away from him. He earned it, and he read a lot and studied. But I also think um, he was very in touch and, uh, and was given, uh, I think, a lot of his greatness um, was bestowed upon him from God. Mm. And he was just a, a mind unlike very, very few people ever. Um, you said Alexander Pope. Did you mean to say Leonardo da Vinci? No, Alexander Pope, the poet who wrote that oh. um, that said, you know, God said, let there be Newton. Right. So that's what I'm kind of saying. It's almost like God gave us Newton. I, I, it sounds bad. It sounds like I'm taken away from his achievements. I don't mean that at all. He earned everything he, he became. But, um, but it seems like... Uh, God, he had some a lot of God-given abilities. Yeah, he was gifted with a really great mind, right? And I think he would have been great at any time. I think in any period of time, unlike Abraham Lincoln, which we talked about, I thought he would be, I think the Civil War really was what elevated him up into the level of the greatest people of all time. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Newton would have been great in any time period that we would still have a record of. I think he would have changed how think, people thought, you know? Yeah. And uh, kind of going back to his um, his quote, how he said that he stood on the shoulders of giants, and I think that's another part of his greatness when he can recognize that um, you know it wasn't just him. He didn't just yeah. do all these things out of his own greatness. He was able to take what people before him had discovered and build on it. Yeah. Uh, but also discover brand new things, yeah. like calculus and like binomial theorem. Oh, one of the coolest things. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be on our next podcast. Yeah, just. Podcast but yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, we talked about his legacy, how it went on for so long. Um, he, uh, well, I think I think there's something to be said about sort of an obs- obsessive devotion to, to a craft or to an idea, to trying point. to discover something. Sure, yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, he may have spent a, a good chunk of his life obsessing about maybe some superfluous things like alchemy, but there was some, some merit to the things that sure. he was able to discover. Um, but... The fact that he was able to devote himself to an idea and study it exhaustively until he finds out all the secrets he can about it. Like, that's... I like that. That's something that not everybody does. Obsessed. Yeah. He's obsessed. Kobe. He's gifted. But a lot of people who are gifted don't make a mark, you know? You have to... You've got to have that obsession along with it, you know? Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, that's all I got for Sir Isaac Newton. You got any last words? I think that's it. Okay. Well, catch us next week. Uh, Pretty exciting. Subscribe now, and Brett will get a tattoo of your name anywhere on his upper torso. 